Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Who doesn't need a break from time to time? I'm Father Roderick. I'm a priest and I'm a geek and I'm here to serve you during your break, whether you're listening to this in the car, on your way to work or on the way back, or you're just doing laundry or you just have time to waste. I hope you feel super welcome and that you enjoy everything I'm going to share with you. So sit back, relax, and I hope you have fun. The show, as is all my work, is brought to you thanks to my Patreon community. So if you want to support my my mission to reach out way beyond the the boundaries of, of, of my parish church and to reach people on, you know, everywhere on the planet and maybe in outer space, who knows where these podcasts will end up, <laughs> then I could really use your, your support. Um, so go over to patreon.com slash Father Roderick and that's where you will find all the information you need on how to support me. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There was some sad news in the Star Wars community this past week. Um, we heard about the unexpected death of um, a very well-known Star Wars actor who was not only um, uh, uh, applauded for his work in Star Wars, but many of uh, the older people like me knew him from a totally different franchise, which had nothing to do with spaceships or, or laser swords, and that was Rocky. I'm talking about Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers uh, died in his sleep at the age of 76 years, uh, and uh, many of us first gotten to know him because he was the opponent of Rocky, uh, Rocky Balboa, in Sylvester Stallone's um, Rocky Saga. He first appeared in the in in the, the the original Rocky movie, and then he his character became a recurring character, which is I think the only one who who uh, showed up in the first four Rocky movies. Um, he played the character of Apollo Creed, and at first he is the nemesis of the story. He is the one who fights Rocky in the arena, and then of course. Uh, over time, because they keep um, butting heads, literally, <laughs> he ultimately develops a friendship with Rocky Balboa and, and becomes a, a partner, uh, so to say. And ultimately, um, his character dies in the fourth Rocky movie um, because of a fight with another of one of, of Rocky's uh, um, enemies. Um, I think it's the Russian guy who, who uh, ultimately ends up killing uh, Apollo Creed. Now, Carl Weathers has done a lot of work as an actor. Um, in fact, he was already an accomplished actor way before um, Sylvester Stallone was an actor. When he did his audition for the first Rocky movie, he was playing opposite of Sylvester Stallone. And he thought, uh, so Carl thought that Sylvester Stallone was only the writer. He was the writer of the of the script, but he he didn't know that Sylvester Stallone had negotiated that he would also play the main character, that he would be Rocky. And so when he was auditioning with uh, Sylvester Stallone, he complained like, "You know what? This would be so much easier if I had a real actor." to play with here in this audition, not realizing that, in fact, Sylvester Stallone was, was the actor. <laughs> but 
Stallone at the time had no experience whatsoever. Um, and so I think that's a very funny anecdote to see how, how much uh, uh, Carl Weathers was ahead of Sylvester Stallone in terms of experience. Now, of course, that first Rocky movie was amazing. I still watch it from time to time. It's, it's such an, a, a fantastic accomplishment, especially if you consider how, how, you know, how small the production was. It was filmed on a shoestring budget. Sylvester Stallone had um, gone to so many different production companies. Nobody believed in this idea, and especially nobody wanted him He's this kind of small, diminutive guy. Uh, nobody believed that he could pull off playing the main character of that movie. They were looking for, you know, big, very sturdy uh, uh, guys to, to, to take on the, the role of Rocky. But thankfully for Sylvester Stallone's career, <laughs> he held on to his conviction that he was the one who should portray Rocky. And it's not just about the fighting. If you've never seen the movie, what I think makes Rocky so so incredibly um, compelling as an experience is it's it's not about the boxing. It's about this, you know, relatively simple, poor guy who who has a dream and who uh, ultimately ends up in this arena. But this, it's a story of his life. It's the story of how he treats the people around him. And there's something extremely heartwarming about that story. And so uh, in the first movie, Carl Weathers plays really like the opposite. Um, when Sylvester Stallone's Rocky is, is, you know, kind of disarming to a certain extent. You really feel for him. You have empathy. Whereas Carl Weathers' character is um, very, you know, distant. He's this famous boxer and, you know, looks down on everyone. It's a very unsympathetic character, which, is, which couldn't be more different from, from, the, from the person, from the character, from Carl Weathers in, in real life, who's a very kind, charming guy. Um, I saw him... I think twice, actually, during the Star Wars convention in, or celebration in Anaheim. And then just last year, in, in spring last year, he was on stage several times at the London Star Wars celebration where he spoke with the interviewers in front of this huge crowd, of which I was you know, one of the many fans there, about his experiences, not just in playing the character of uh, Grief Karga, in The Mandalorian, but also about his experience in directing a number of these episodes in The Mandalorian uh, series. And um, I had already seen a number of, of interviews with him on the Star Wars website. Um, there are some extras um, that they posted, the making of, of The Mandalorian. I think there are a, a few documentaries that you can find on Disney+, Plus where he's part of a roundtable talk about how The Mandalorian came about. And he always struck me as a guy who has uh, so much more experience than it seems. At first, when he was sitting there at the table, I was like, oh, he's just one of the actors. Um, but in fact, he was sitting next to all these other um, famous Star Wars producers and, and directors because he was first and foremost a director of these Star Wars episodes. And when he started to to talk about the way he envisioned his episodes. I was like, wow, I had no idea that the guy who played Apollo Creed had so much um, insight in how to tell a compelling Star Wars story. 
His role as Grief Karga um, was, for me, maybe the least interesting part of what he did for Star Wars. I think he was much more of a director than an actor. I always felt that it, the character that he played um, was maybe too close to, to the real actor. It, it just didn't feel very Star Wars to me. Maybe it's also because I've seen these Rocky movies so often, and so it's hard to kind of put the actor in a totally different universe. It was a bit of a disconnect. He's, he's too well-known. Um, and, and I also felt that the character itself of Grief Karga was not that interesting. It, it was a little bit of um, a character you only see in, on the fringes of the story. It doesn't... Well, of course, he, he is in a couple of action scenes. Um, but all in all, he's, he's a bureaucrat. He's just a, someone who is... Um, you know, directing other people, but but he's he's not that important to the story. At least that's how it came across to me. Um, but a, a very likable uh, man, and so so shocking in a sense that that he, all of a sudden he's no longer there. It's just so so hard to imagine. I was standing there in in the big. Um, in this big hall where they had all the public interviews. So for a lot of the um, sessions, you needed to have um, a, a ticket. And I, I didn't get any of the, of the tickets. It was a lottery, and I, I wasn't lucky uh, last year. So I was super glad that, that, that all these actors also showed up on the main stage in, where everybody could be there. And I remember standing very close to the stage when he was interviewed together with a few other actors from The Mandalorian. And it, that just feels like yesterday. And it's so weird that someone who is so well-known and so beloved for what he did um, in, in, uh, in, in, in the entertainment business all of a sudden just dies in his sleep. I know, 76 years old. You say, that's a respectable age, but still... It's 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 pretty young, and it's just not someone. He hasn't been sick, as far as I know. It, it, so all of a sudden, just someone flips the switch, and he's no longer there. It reminds us that no matter the star status of someone, we're all ultimately just human beings, and our life on Earth is, you know, is is limited. Um, and it's always the older you get, the more you appreciate the life that's been given to you. When you're when you're young, when I was 18 years old, I never thought about the finality of our life here on Earth. And, and the more I get older myself, the more I realize, you know, I can do stuff now, and, but 10 years from now, I won't be able to do what I can do now. So you start to value more and more every every day that you've been granted. And as Tolkien puts it so 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 well uh, what matters is is how do you use the time that has been given to you the duration that's a very relative thing you know you can have a very full accomplished life that is only i don't know 36 30, 30 37 years old think of the life of jesus jesus never reached the age of 40 which is kind of so insane if you think about it uh, at least his earthly life and uh, but but you can reach a hundred years and still feel that your life has not been very useful or I don't know it, it all depends it's so it's not about the duration time in itself is a very relative concept our, our experience of time is so different at various moments in our lives 
I think what matters ultimately is what do you do with your life and how can you do what, what brings you joy, what brings the world joy. And, you know, being a performer, being an actor or a director, I think is a wonderful way to, to give some of your talents to a, in this case, a global audience. And his legacy will, will live on for for decades once you're in star wars you you're part of a of a narrative tapestry that i think will will still be here a century from now these are such epic stories it's like tolkien's stuff that just never goes away it's just classic and timeless to a certain extent um when you look back at the rocky uh movies they are much more dated i think than than star wars um because it's a different type of story it's a story that takes place in a real world and it's situated it is it's dated uh, because and and the story needs to be dated but it's harder especially the, the these later rocky movies they're very cringy now you, you can't i i can't watch three and four it's just so bad uh, and and so outdated um but the first one to a certain extent is much more timeless because it tells a timeless story of a poor guy who has a, a dream and and works really hard to get there that is a story that 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 works in in every age and in every time and i think for star wars a lot of these stories are also uh, very timeless so it's a gift um to to know Oh, to, to have these stories and to have these actors and storytellers that bring us these stories that will last so long in our in our mind in our culture uh, and and go even beyond what what one single person can do in his or her life um, this is also why writing is such a such a gift to the world when you write you leave a legacy that can survive you for decades and um, and, and many people can discover, what you write, even if you have already passed on. There's something wonderful about storytelling. This, this podcast will be long forgotten, even a, a week from now. It, it will have disappeared. Um, but there are certain things that will last longer. Anyway, uh, before I, I, I start <laughs> like a, a very philosophical, theological reflection that, that won't end anymore let's move on to our next segment but um keep carl weathers and his family in your prayers the most beloved fantasy story of all time it is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day all right dude check it out go like that way and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across no no i'm searching for a dragon's treasure I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority! I am no dwarf! My uh, running trainer, or one of the trainers um, that I train with uh, for, my, for my running, is currently in New Zealand, and he is uh, doing a tour with his wife on the southern island, and every day he posts an update. And because he is traveling while we are still asleep every morning, I'm looking forward to seeing the photos. And some of these places I've been, some I would like to go one day, but every time I see these photos and I read these stories about New Zealand, I'm actually feeling like ah, I'm reconnecting with Middle Earth. And having been in the places where these movies were filmed, is, is, that's just one of those unforgettable memories that, that lasts a lifetime. I'll always cherish, cherish 
these visits to um, to Middle Earth, <laughs> aka New Zealand. It's a bit like the first time I was in Philadelphia and I was running up those stairs to stand there where you know Rocky in the first movie is dancing around. <laughs> it, it, it just makes it like all of a sudden the movie comes alive. There's a very special connection if you've been in these places and then afterwards you rewatch the movie and you're like, I was standing there. <laughs> anyway, speaking of um, of the Lord of the Rings, I have some news or something that I would like to announce or pre-announce because it's it's still in in um, in the preparatory stage. But um, I'm currently working on um, a, 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 a diary that I'm writing, not for myself. But I'm writing these, these stories on a daily basis to share them with you and to share them with my, um, the people that, that follow me in the Netherlands, people that know me from TV, people that know me because of my work in the parishes. Um, and I'm writing these stories uh, about my trips, about, could be about Middle Earth, could be about all the, the stuff that I do. And what I hope to do with these diary entries is to kind of nurture the the, the relationship with my followers. So if if people only know me from my podcast or from TikTok or YouTube, in order, if people are interested in the person behind those videos or podcasts, then I would like to offer them a little glimpse into my life. What, what does the life of a media priest look like? And so... Um, I, I just wrote a story. So none of that is live. Well, the Dutch, actually the Dutch um, sign-up page is already live, but I still have to work on the Kajabi page for the English uh, sign-up page. But the, the idea is that if you're already subscribed to my newsletter or you've done that in the past, then you will receive the, the access to, um, to these diary entries. Um, but... I guess it, probably 95% of the people that currently are watching my videos or listening to my podcast are, are not on that list. So um, I'm going to set that up soon. And then I'm going to send these stories that I'm currently writing. I'm going to um, to deliver them to all these email addresses. And what I want is, is to make it really entertaining. I don't want to spam anyone. I don't believe anymore in the, the old-fashioned newsletters some of which I receive myself, and I, I barely open them. It's like it's going to be this long list of links to, oh, listen to this podcast, or please click on this article. And it's like, yeah, information overload. The few newsletters that I do read actually all have the same format, and it's, it's a story. It's a, it's a column, it's a, a reflection, and, and that's the kind of uh, email content that I think is can still be of value and people may be interested in that. So I yesterday I wrote a story about my visit to the Tolkien Exposition in when I was in Rome in the Museum of, of Contemporary and Modern Art. And um, I won't spoil what the story is about and what happens. It has a very controversial title, um, but you'll have to subscribe uh, once the sign-up page is live to to, to discover that for yourself. But what I do announce at the end of that article is that I'm going to do my first live webinar next week on Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, 40 days, a journey towards Easter. What I'm going to do is to do a live webinar that you can sign up for about Tolkien 
and what Tolkien can teach us about this journey towards Easter. What we're going to do is to follow the fellowship on their journey towards, you know, ultimately the destruction of the ring. And I'm, I'm going to use that as a parallel journey to our own journey towards Easter. And there are a lot of spiritual lessons and life lessons that we can take from Tolkien's stories and, his, and the wisdom that, that he used in his stories. And then we can apply that to our own journey in faith, in life, uh, on our way to Easter. It's a kind of a modern way to start Lent. Uh, of course, I encourage people to go to church as well and get, you know, the, the, um, and get signed with the ashes. Um, but I think for, for, um, for a lot of people, you need more than just a ritual in church. Um, Lent is not really part of our ambient culture anymore. So what I would like to try out is if I can be a guide at the start of this Lenten period and to use examples and stories that people are already familiar with to help them um, start this this time of preparation uh, of, of Lent in a, in a way that appeals to them. So keep an eye on all my socials if you want to get the link to to the webinar to to uh, if you want to know how to sign up it's an experiment i've never done a webinar ever in my life so even technically i'm still figuring out how to how to make that happen but i felt like i need to set myself a goal because otherwise i'm just going to procrastinate and procrastinate oh i want to do a webinar but uh what what am i going to do when i'm oh i'll do it next week and now i'm thinking you know beginning of lent that's a great great time to to just start experimenting with this and maybe it will all go wrong or not why should i catastrophize maybe it will just be fantastic but what i hope is that it will also help me to get in get the hang of doing these webinars and i would like to do these focused webinars both on a um, on a spiritual level, so to do things like, almost like a, an online retreat, although it won't be a week in a monastery, <laughs> but it could have the same function as why, why people go on a retreat. It's just to have a moment where you're thinking about stuff other than than your daily life, and 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 and, and it helps you to think about what truly matters in your life. And, um, and I also want to do more educational webinars where it can be a way for me to reach out to people that may be interested in me coaching them or uh, being part of uh, my mastermind group where I'm going to help people that are like me are working in the media or would like to work in the media to you know, up their skills and learn from this mastermind group and learn from my experience. But in order to, this is all still brand new, so in order to find these people that I want to help, I think these webinars can be a very kind of low threshold way to get the word out and, and also to deliver true value to help people right there and then in that webinar. And if people like my, my teaching style and uh, think there, there is more where that came from, then of course um, it's much easier to get in touch with me and to... Um, to get some coaching. Because um, um, I believe that ultimately that part of my ministry is very much relation built, built on relationships. It's just that this is one of the reasons that I um, always do my best to stream the recording sessions of this podcast that you're currently listening to, to stream those live. I can't really do that when I record The Walk, which is my other podcast, because I'm in the woods and internet reception over there is very spotty. So... Um, plus, 
you know, it's kind of tricky to record both audio and video at the same time. But, but this show is very good for like a live a live taping. Although, you know, why would I call it taping? Because there's no tape involved, but you get the gist of what I want to say. Um, but to just go live. And I know that this is not very interactive. It's just me talking. And the only difference with, if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, is you don't see me gesturing i'm very italian when i speak so my hands are all over the place um but you can probably picture that but there's not much else to see it's just me in front of a camera with bookshelves in the background so it's not the most exciting visual content but what i like so much about it is is not streaming the show as such but it's the conversation around it so people are while i'm talking to you People are actually reacting to what I say and they share the, their opinions or tips or sometimes reflections. And then after, when I'm done with the show, I go back to the chat room and we talk some more. And I really like that aspect. It's it's very small. I mean, there are just a handful of people watching it. But uh, my hope is that if I keep doing this on Monday evening, uh, the same time, same place, that over time, this community can start to grow because, you know, get into the habits of people so um the, the i'm not exactly sure how i'm going to do the webinars and what the frequency will be but let's get this first tolkien inspired webinar off the ground first and then we can always take it from there so again no link yet for you to click on to sign up but in the day's to come, uh, you will get more information, especially, of course, if you're part of my Patreon community. You'll be the first to know, and you'll be the first to be able to sign up for um, for that webinar. So, um, yeah, I hope it's going to be awesome. Japanimation! Yeah! Cool! It is ta- time to talk about Japanese animation. And I would like to review the first episode of a new anime show on Netflix. And it's called Pluto. And here's the sound of the original Japanese trailer. Um, and I hope it all plays. Yeah, it does. Detective. This was no accident. In Switzerland, a robot is destroyed. The victim was a resident here. In Germany, a human is murdered. Are you suggesting that the same person committed both of these incidents? And then they find these mysterious horns on the bodies of these robots and humans. And then we have this detective who's called Face in German. Gesicht. And he wants to figure out what's going on. And he is actually not... He's, he looks humanoid, but he's actually a robot himself, too. Do you think that the robots are evolving? It's hard sometimes to discern whether someone is a robot or a human. And they're becoming more and more alike. This is dangerous. Can robots and humans coexist? What awaits at the end of evolution? It's very, very epic. And at the end of the trailer we see Atom. It's a small boy and he's flying. 
I couldn't tell earlier if that person was human or a robot. So that's the sound of the trailer. It um, premiered last year on 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 Netflix, um, but I've only discovered it very recently thanks to my TikTok audience. And I was talking about Vinland Saga, and then um, I someone said, "Have you have you seen this anime and uh, some kind of an older anime or or Pluto? And can you, could you review Pluto?" And then I just um, asked my audience, so which one should I watch first? This older anime, I forgot what it was called, or Pluto. And then a lot of them said, oh no, do Pluto, because the advantage is it's only eight episodes, which is extremely rare for anime. Usually there's like 24 episodes, like Vinland Saga. Um, in fact, there are 48 that I still have to watch. Um, but Pluto is just a few episodes, and it's, it's also a finished story. It's based on a manga. And so these are. This is one story featuring Astro Boy. I know nothing actually about the whole comic, and that's that's part of the appeal of the stuff that I do on TikTok. Most of my followers are very seasoned anime uh, viewers uh, and manga readers, so they know much more than I do. But for them, it's fun to see how someone who doesn't know the backstory of of these uh, of these anime. Um, how I react to that, what I can guess about where the story is going. And, and so part of the, I think the reason that people like to see my, my reaction to these series is because they know more than I. So it gives them a certain, you know, oh, I know, he doesn't know yet, but I know where this is going. And, um, and I, I, I can totally see the appeal of that. So for, for, um, for Pluto... I'm already intrigued after watching the first episode. Um, these are long episodes. It was like almost an hour. Um, but this, this story was so surprisingly deep. And um, it, it reminded me of the um, Isaac Asimov uh, series. Not that I've read those, but I've heard about them. You know, the, the robot laws and what robots can and can't do. And that discussion is part of this, of this story as well. So what makes a human human? What makes... What should a robot do, and are there limitations, um, and are there consequences if robots actually disobey their programming? Can they actually do that? Is that part of their evolution, that they can also choose to become evil? Um, very interesting philosophical um, and, and moral issues. So, But it's also a very beautiful story. It does what a lot of this, these anime series do very well, it takes its time to tell a story. There's a lot of atmosphere. There are a lot of, there's a lot of music in this first episode. So at one point, so you see this murder, but it's not just a detective story. Now, you are transported to Switzerland, where one of these former killer robots, there are like, I think, eight huge robots, and they have, I think, originally were designed to fight in wars, and then they basically became peaceful and started to serve humanity. And these robots are being killed all over the planet. One of these former battle robots is now serving as a, a butler to an, a very eccentric composer, uh, an old blind man who lives alone in this massive house. Um, and he plays the piano every day, and he's trying to translate his childhood memories when he still was able to see. Uh, he had a degenerative disease um, and it was operated um, and the, the, the operation saved his life but robbed him from his eyesight but he's trying to evoke his childhood 
into music, but he gets stuck all the time. And the robot that serves him is intrigued by that. And, and then he hears that the man in his sleep is actually singing the rest of the melody that he can't put on paper. And so the robot starts to play that melody, and then the, the, the old guy is like, don't touch my piano, it's mine. And you start to realize that there is a massive trauma that took place somewhere. It's a hidden part of his, his story, his life story. And the robot, also having been traumatized to the extent that a robot can be traumatized by his war experiences, um, wants to help this old man to to discover more about what truly happened when he was a child. And it, it I won't tell you how it ends, but it, it's got to do with music and the way the story and the music are intertwined. It's very meditative and so unlike Western storytelling. And I love that kind of poetic nature. And it's still about robots and there's still murders and explosions, but there's also this, this, this whole, I don't know, like the storytelling itself has so much more breathing room than we allow our stories in our Western media to have. This is also something that strikes me now that I'm re-watching uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, where I'm, I'm, I'm now watching the movie version that is based on the original TV series, and it's just so beautifully done. It's, it's got these very quiet... This is a, a story about robots fighting robots. And yet there are these very deep meditative moments where it's, it's very psychological and, and, and moving also. This is a story that I'm now watching it for the third time and it still touches me. And I want to do more videos about it because I know that this also resonates with a lot of my followers on YouTube and TikTok. Um, because this is not just about robots. This is about human beings and about what what moves us and what makes our our life sometimes hard and difficult and sometimes gives us joy and uh, i love that dimension of of anime anyway so um if you have access to netflix definitely check it out it's called pluto um what else can we do well why not talk a little bit about about other types of stories the written type why are you wearing glasses uh um, reading. Reading? Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could read. Um, last week, I think I was complaining about um, uh, that I had to change my reading plans because I discovered that I was unable to focus on these big stories like Red Rising. And uh, last week, I actually had, a, I think, a, another problem that was preventing me from it being able to focus i thought it was just because these stories are so big and there's so many characters but it turns out it, it was much simpler than that i just had a chronic lack of sleep last week uh, every night i only slept about six hours some nights even five don't ask well, why <laughs> it's probably also my own fault because i i tend to procrastinate the, the moment of going to, to bed but Last Sunday, I decided, you know what? This week, I'm going to really hit the, you know, seven or eight hours per night. And so for two subsequent nights, I slept eight hours. And yesterday, I started reading the fourth Red Rising book again. And lo and behold, I could totally focus on the story. And it, it was a very a good experience. And I was like, wow. So, you know what? 
to read well, I need to sleep well. That's a really good incentive for me to uh, to go to bed in time, um, because it and it, it kind of makes sense when you're sleep deprived, your mind has trouble mustering the energy to focus. And this is not only just noticeable when I'm reading a book, but this is also true for the work that I do. The the more sleep I've had, the easier it is to do to do my job. So. But uh, last week when I wasn't able to focus on these long books, I uh, picked up my um, my phone b- before I went to bed. Maybe not the best idea to have like bright screens if, in your face right before you want to go to bed. Um, but I was trying to change my mind. I always love to to read a story or to just so I can sleep I can stop my churning brain that is always uh you know full of ideas and and when I'm stepping into a story it helps me calm my mind maybe it's just me but uh that's that's how it works and so um because I couldn't focus on a book I was reading um these Marvel stories these Marvel comics but I don't want to, you know, lay in bed with a huge iPad. Normally, I love to read comics on my iPad because it's a big screen. I've got the 12.6-inch iPad, and, uh, and, and it's a very relaxed um, way of reading. But it's a big device, and it's heavy. So um, I, was, I was trying to read these comics on the phone, and that's hard because the, uh, the Marvel Comics um, app has an option to 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 view the story you're kind of guided over the pages so it zooms in on certain panels and it zooms out it's a it's a wonderful thing that alone makes i think the marvel ultimate app so so you know so so valuable and so um, so cool to use but even on a on a big phone like the iphone 15 it's still too small to to read in a relaxed way i constantly have to use my fingers to zoom in on the text and it's just not a very good reading experience and then i came across a very cool um subset of comics on the marvel ultimate app and that series is called um infinity comics and what they did is they they took the original comic and reformatted it in a way that you can just scroll up and i don't know exactly it must have taken a long time to create those comics because originally of course they weren't drawn as a long like vertical um uh, infinite infinitely scrolling page but they re rearrange the elements and and they obviously have to leave out a lot of the text and and a lot of the information but what, what, what remains is this extremely relaxed way of reading a story the only thing you need to do is use your thumb to scroll up and the these images are pretty big the text is easy to read and you still have the feeling that you're actually reading a comic it's just this this you're it, it feels like almost as if the comic books and and uh, Mastodon or Axe or whatever your newsfeed had a baby uh, because it's the same idea of scrolling up, scrolling up, but at the same time, it's one continuous story. I really like them, and they have created these Infinity Comics um, about a, a, a whole slew of different comic book heroes. You've got a few Spider-Man ones. You've got Vision. You've got Miss Marvel, Wolverine, X-Men, the Hulk. There's there's a bit of everything. Um, 
And the, the only the only category that is lacking is Star Wars. I would love to see a, an Infinity comic series based on the the comic books uh, about Star Wars because they have a pretty pretty cool lineup of Star Wars stories. But in order to read them, I have to use my iPad. Um, so anyway, so that's that's my experience with the the Marvel Unlimited app, and it's um, yeah, I'm. I'm so glad that I have that opportunity to be able to read comic books when, whenever I am too tired to focus on a real book. And with that, it is time to wrap this show up. For my patrons, I will continue a little bit longer. Every week there is a premium version of the show that has some extra content. But if for whatever reason you are unable to join uh, my patron supporters, I hope you enjoyed the, this, this particular episode. I try to keep them uh, at about like between 30 and 40 minutes so you can have a sizable podcast experience. Um, but if you want to listen for an hour or more, then you, you can always join the premium uh, show via patreon.com slash fatherodrick. So um, again, reminder, very soon there will be more news about my first live Tolkien webinar. Um and we will accompany Frodo and Gimli and Legolas and uh, Aragorn on their journey to, to Mount Doom, and which is also a, a spiritual journey that can reflect our own journey towards Easter. Um, and then, of course, as soon as there's news about how you can sign up for my English diary entries, um, I will let you know as well. So follow me at Father Roderick on all social networks except for X, I'm no longer there but anywhere else you can follow me there, Threads um, or Mastodon or whatever and we'll talk soon thanks for listening <laughs>